0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's wonderful to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. I assured the first service this morning that um, it is, it's almost spring. It's right around the corner. You can reach out and touch it. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to stand on that. I'm going cl- to claim that in <laughs> Jesus' name. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's what I want to say today. Um. I don't know how often you go to the restaurant, but maybe you go to the restaurant and um, you know you're with a group of friends. Uh, hopefully, you don't have to imagine that too hard. But you're you're there with a group of people, and and you you order you know your meal, and you notice that several of you order the same meal. Okay, you order the same meal, and uh, when the waiter or waitress. Um, Begins to bring those meals out to you because you realize that several people have the same meal. You keep an eye on those plates as they come out, okay? You keep an eye on them, and and you notice maybe that the waiter or the waitress they're actually kind of looking at the table, okay? And they're trying to figure out who goes to what and everything like that, but then they're doing something else because there's several dishes that are the same. You know what they're doing? They're secretly, I think, this is me, you can tell me, I think they're eyeing up the, the people at the table to see which one's the biggest and which one's the smallest, you know, and so on, so that they know who to give what meal to in case, you know, maybe one, one of them has a few more potato, you know, potatoes or a few more french fries or, you know, the meat looks a little bigger or whatever. Um, and I'm one of those people, I may be five, four and a half, okay? But I eat like a solid (laughs) 5'9". Solid 5'9". But I hang out with people that are 5'10 and taller. And so, you know, when that waitress comes around, she or he, they never look at me and say, oh, that guy's the big eater of the table. Do you know what I'm saying? It just never, it just never happens. We generally equate small with being Inadequate. When I see that plate of food come out, if it's small, I'm like, that's inadequate. You know, that's just not enough. We think of it as being unsatisfied. And I realize that some of us fight a battle in our minds of feeling insufficient, inadequate, not enough, small. And I want you to know today that you are not alone. You're not alone. Because one of the most powerful men in all of Scripture had similar struggle. His name was Elijah. In fact, we read that Elijah was one of the most, or probably the most powerful prophet in all of Scripture. So let's look at his life, and we're going to look at some Scripture surrounding him In this idea of, of feeling small and being small. And first thing I want you to look at is that Elijah was human just like us. Look at James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says Elijah was a human being. What a, what a statement. We, we didn't think he was human. The truth of the matter is, in the New Testament, they, they thought that John the Baptist was Elijah. Uh, they thought Jesus possibly could have been Elijah. So the the statement that Elijah was a human being actually is sort of assuring to them. But not only is he just a human being, but he's a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and didn't, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its crop. So, these verses that are here the, behind them, um, the context, the storyline behind these verses is a relationship between Elijah the prophet and King Ahab, the king of Israel. And Ahab. Um, was a king that he and his wife Jezebel, who was the queen, they led the people of Israel far from God to worship Baal. Baal was an idol. Baal was um, gods of the the people of Canaan. Um, And and so they had led the people far from God. And so Elijah challenged... Ahab, and said, listen, let's have a knockdown, drag out, and whosoever God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice, we'll know that that is God, and we'll worship that God. And so that's the backdrop for these verses. And this thing with three and a half years of no rain is superimposed over the top of that story, and it's happening simultaneously. So when we look at this, we look at Elijah, who is a man that, that, that I think is dealing with some feelings and saying to himself, I am just too small for God to use. You say, well, why do you think that? Because Elijah uh, battled anxiety and he battled depression. Um, he, he felt hopelessness. He felt that he was alone. He was uh, he was afraid. He went so far as saying to God that he wanted to die. He wished God would actually take his life. He was in a place where if you were a counselor, you probably would consider him suicidal, to be honest. And this is the prophet of God. And not only is he the prophet of God, but he has just experienced an incredible victory, okay? Because God has answered him. They set up two sacrifices, and God answered Elijah by sending fire to consume the sacrifice. And and it was an incredible victory. This is Jehovah is God. That's it. Question settled. It was a tremendous victory that took place. And Elijah, in the midst of that, struggled um, with some of these, his own feelings of insufficiency and feeling like he was alone, that there was no one left, that he was the only one. God, just take my life. And we read, in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Kings, rather, chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Now Elisha the Tishbite from Tish in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Now this was a pretty big statement that. Elijah made to the king. And I know that we might read it and think, well, he really had to be pretty confident in himself in order to make such a statement. And I could never make uh, such a statement. I could never do anything big for God. I could never be anything for God. I could never be used for God like so-and-so was, or so-and-so is, or the way that I see this person or that person. And let me ask you a question. When you hear words like that, where do you consider the source of those words to be from? Do you feel that that's really the voice of God speaking to you? Do you feel that that's coming from the heart and the mind of God to you? Or do you think that's coming from another source? And I know some people will say, well, that's, it's just me. It's just me. It's just, it's just my voice. It's my, it's, those are my words. But I want you to understand that those are words that are, that are really, um, they're, they're the antithesis of, of what God feels, of what God believes, and I believe that they are really authored from a, another source, that literally those are, are words that we hear from the enemy himself, saying that you are not, you're, you're just small, you're insignificant, you're insufficient, you could never do anything for God. Because he knows that if you step out in faith and you do something for God, he knows what's going to happen as a result of that. And he does not want that to happen. And so he wants to convince you that you are too small. So I want to ask you this morning, whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God that says, listen, you're not too small. I've created you, and I thought of this this morning, that, that literally God has created us just the right size to hold a deposit of himself and his power and his glory. It's not our power. It's his power. That power is in, can, can dwell in us, and it can, we can be used by it. But it's his, and he created us as receptacles of his presence, as receptacles of his power, and we're not insufficient when it, when we are alongside of him, when we are uh, with him, when we are filled by him. We are just the size we're supposed to be. Secondly, Elijah was obedient. In first kings chapter 18 verses 1 and 2 it says after a long time in the 3rd year the word of the lord came to elijah go and present yourself to ahab and i will send rain on the land so elijah went to present himself to ahab now elijah knew that ahab wanted to kill him ahab was not a fan of the prophet they were working on different agendas Elijah, after the great victory that God won uh, by sending fire down on the sacrifice of Elijah, uh, Ah Elijah ordered the, the death of the 450 prophets of Baal um, Elijah was willing to speak uh, the word of the Lord. And you know, when we have great victories like that, we would think, you know, it's, let's celebrate a little bit. But Elijah didn't celebrate. Uh, he moved right on to the next thing ultimately that God called him to do. He didn't linger in the moment. He immediately just wanted to obey that next thing that God had given him. And it brings up to me the idea of obedience. John chapter 14 and verse 15 Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, Jesus lived a life of obedience for each of us to model after. And he has called us to obey. Jesus himself was obedient even unto death on the cross. In Luke chapter 10 verse 16 The first part of verse 10, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. When we obey, there is something that happens. God begins to trust us to do more. Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice. When God speaks, do we obey him? We need to obey in order to be used. And I know you might think, well, I'm really, I'm so small, I'm so insignificant, I'm so insufficient, I'm just over here in my own little corner, and so I don't matter. So my obedience doesn't matter, because in the grand scheme of things, I'm a no one. Where, Where does that voice come from? We already talked about that. That's not coming from God. And you know what? You might hear your voice saying it, but really it's coming from the enemy. And you're thinking, I don't need, I don't need to obey because I'm, I'm just not a part of this. I'm just nothing. I'm just no one. You see the lie that the enemy feeds us. And he has been feeding it to us for such a long time that we start to think it's us. We start to think that it's the truth. But the reality is different than that. That our obedience does matter. It is important. And we need to obey. And if we obey, God can use us. Number three, Elijah anticipated a miracle. 1 Kings 18, 41 and 42. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. So this big challenge where God moved by fire, that's just happened. And, and now uh, Elijah is telling the king that, that he hears the sound of a heavy rain. In verse 42, so Ahab went off and ate and, to eat and drink, but Elijah claimed, climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Now that's a silly looking picture when you think about it. Um, but we read there's no visible clouds uh, that we hear of. There's no thunder. You know, we don't hear that the thunder broke out. And so that's why Elijah said what he said. But Elijah spoke the word of the Lord. He said, it is going to rain. I hear the sound of a heavy rain. A heavy rain is coming. He is making a proclamation. Remember, they just, they just had a contest to determine whose God was God. And, and Elijah is saying, God has spoken. And rain is coming on the land. Imagine if it didn't rain in the UP for three and a half years. Imagine no snow. I could imagine no snow for three and a half years, but let's, you know, let's stay on task. If it didn't rain for three and a half years, what it would be like, how devastating it would be to us. So, Elijah, he climbs up what would be the equivalent of Sugarloaf Mountain. And we like to climb up Sugarloaf because it's good exercise, but then we get to look up and down the coastline, and it gives us this really cool feeling. And we look and we point and we say, Oh, oh, there's there's, you know, you you can see the the dome, you can see all sorts of stuff, you know, you can point out from there. You can see, oh, that's where so and so, you know, lives, or that's that's you know, where, where where you know this is and that's where that is, and we see those things, and I did this there, and and it gives us a feeling of being just bigger. And we like to see that. Look out over the lake. It's a vantage point when it comes to not Sugarloaf, just Sugarloaf, but Mount Carmel. It was a vantage point where they could see out over the Mediterranean Sea. And from there, they could see if rain was coming. And then Elijah gets down into a position that the only way I can describe it is the fetal position. Now, that is not a very powerful position, is it? Some of us have been in that position before. (laughs) We know it's not a very powerful position. The feelings we're having are very powerful, but it's not a very powerful position. He has just come off an incredible victory and he's curled up in a ball on the ground with his head between his knees. I want you to know that He is in a place where he's saying to God, God, you told me to say it and I said it and it better rain. You and only you can do it. Think of that being in that place where he, he, as, as a human, he had to lay it on the line and say, okay, God said, it's going to rain. Get ready. And he's curled up in a ball there on the ground in intense prayer. He's in a position of submission. He's in a position of surrender. And he believes what God says. Let me ask you this. Maybe you've been in that position of being in a fetal position. And maybe maybe you're wondering is what God said really true? Do we believe what He says for us? Do we believe what He says in His Word? Do we believe the wisdom that he gives to us? Do we believe the direction that he speaks to us? Do we believe the healing that he proclaims for us? Do we expect the miraculous? Elijah expected the miraculous. Oh, it looked like it looked like it was all over. He's laying curled up in a fetal position on the ground, and yet he believed for the miraculous. Number four, He took God at his word. Look at verses 43 to 45. He's speaking to his servant now. He said, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea." So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the winds rose and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Notice that Elijah is simply asking for what God already promised. You want to see God answer some prayers in your life? Start asking for things that he's already promised you. Ask him for things that he's promised you. Find out those things in his word. His word is full of those things. And he offers them to us. And when we begin to pray for them and ask for them, we will see them come into our lives. And that's what exactly what Elijah is doing when he prays for rain. He is simply asking for what God has already promised. And I want you to understand this, that he positions his servant to go between the peak of Mount Carmel and where he is curled up in a ball. Okay, he is, he's, he's telling his servant, now this servant wasn't just anybody. Bible scholars believe that this servant was the son of the widow that he raised uh, her son from the dead. This, this young man, this servant of his had been dead and he raised him from the dead. Now, what would be a greater reminder of the power of God than something like that? Surround yourselves with people that remind you of the power of God in your life. And so that servant, he sent him to the top. Elijah was so, he couldn't even go up there and look at it himself. He's laying there in that fetal position and he tells him, this is like, you know, he can't go up to the top of Sugarloaf. He's got to stay, you know, like, like a layer or two down from there. And he said, you go up and look and you tell me if you see anything. And he has him look because from there you can see if there's any rain that's going to be coming uh, from the west. He'll, you'll be able to see if that was coming or not. And the, the, the servant comes back and he said, nope, Elijah, there's nothing. And Elijah from his fetal position says, well, go back and I want you to check again. So he goes back and he walks back up to the peak of the, of the mountain again and he, and he looks out and this time there's nothing there. So he comes back down and he reports. And this happens a total of seven times. Can I ask you how long you would have lasted in that scenario? If you were the servant, how many times would you have done it? Some of us, you know what we would have done? We'd have just done this and not actually gone up. Nope, nothing. We'd, we'd have just faked it. How many of you, if you were Elijah, how many of you would have kept saying, go back, go back, go back? I think I would have done one or two things. I think I would have either said, forget it, or I would have said, let me go check it. I think those are the things that I would have done. But he did it seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant said, I, I see a small cloud, a small cloud. In fact, it's so, it's so small. It's the size of a man's hand. Now, God didn't create men's hands all the same. All right. If Brian was up here and his hand was next to mine you'd see the difference in the size of men's hands because compared to my hands Brian's hands are huge. Okay? I just happen to be blessed with very small hands. <laughs> it's it, it's a, it's a small cloud. I don't care how big your hands are. It's a small cloud. And if you're looking out over Sugarloaf onto Lake Superior and you see a cloud the size of a man's hand, I don't even know if you could identify it. But that's what he said. I see the cloud, the small cloud, the size of a man's hand. And Elijah's response from his fetal position is, let's get out of here because the deluge is coming. I want you to notice that. I want you to notice his response. He didn't ask what the cloud was doing. We want to know what the cloud is doing. Is it getting bigger? Is it getting smaller? Is it rotating? Is it doing anything special? He didn't ask him that. He didn't ask for a confirmation. If, if those of you that were raised in the church, you might have heard this before, but he didn't ask. He didn't lay a fleece before God. Because Elijah had prayed to the God who had created those waters. The God that separated the earth and the water from the firmament in creation. And and Elijah knew that God knew what a cloud was. See, Elijah knew that it wasn't about the size of the cloud. He also knew that it wasn't about how many times he looked but it was about the power of his God. And we need to ask ourselves, how big is your God? Is he big enough? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, it says this. It says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. If God says it, if he says it, do we believe it? Do we take him at his word? Number five, Elijah was looking in the right direction, or at least he had his servant looking in the right direction. He's got his servant looking over the Mediterranean Sea there from the, the summit of Carmel. That's the direction where the wind and the rain come from. Let me ask you, what direction are we looking toward. Are we looking at the negative things that are around us? Or are we looking at the positive things? Elijah was waiting for the smallest evidence that God was about to answer his prayer. You might be praying and you say, but there's nothing happening. One of the songs that we sang earlier that that said that we that we might not see it but God's still moving we not, may not feel it but God is still moving when we when when we are in that position when we don't we don't see it we don't feel it are we still looking in the right direction those of us that are are, are packer fans you know i can say this <laughs> You know, I, I don't. I don't have Twitter, but but I'm I'm checking to see you know what's happened with, with our quarterback. You know, every half hour. You know, I wanna I wanna I wanna know when to move on. You know, because I'm 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 ready. I'm okay to move on. It's all right. You know, and it's it's a it's it's a painful process that as Packer fans, evidently we go through every 16 years. Because I remember the last time. I remember where I was 16 years ago on vacation in the summertime. And all we could do was watch TV and watch an airplane, you know, going to to New York. It It was crazy. But what do we look at? Are we looking at the negative or are we looking at the positive? In our humanness, we can say to ourselves, well, what's happening with Russia? What's China doing? What are the markets doing? What's my 201K doing, John? (laughs) Are we looking in the right direction? You see, if we're not looking in the right direction, we're not going to be able to see that cloud that's only the size of a man's hand. We're not going to be able to see the evidence of God moving. Micah chapter 7 and verse 7, the prophet Micah says, But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for for God, my Savior, my God, will hear me. Are we watching in hope for the Lord? Are we saying, Father, show me? Show me, even, even, even something as small and insignificant as, the cloud, as a cloud the size of a man's hand. Just show me and, and I'm, I'll move. I'll begin to, to follow your direction. And number six, I'll have the worship team come. I want us to ask ourselves the question, is our faith too small? Remember, Elijah is human like us. He prayed intensely and God answered. The sentence in James right before he tells that story is from verse 16, the second half of the verse, and it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Does this apply to you? Or do you say to yourself, you know, I I don't know if I'm righteous or righteous enough for that to apply to me. I don't know if I really have enough faith. I don't know if I'm spiritual enough for that to apply to me. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says this. He said, because you have so little faith, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus connects the size of our faith to a mustard seed. I've got a a mustard seed here in a small container. And um, I got this from Janice Mason, Tessa's mom. Janice has been gone for about a year and a half now. And I asked Tessa if I could share this, and she said it was all right. But Janice lived to 60 years old, which now at 59 is incredibly young. Um, And I didn't do the math until this last week, but she battled cancer for a third of her life. 19 years, she battled cancer. When you put it in those kinds of terms, that's a journey. To battle cancer a third of your life. But the thing that was interesting about Janice's journey is that they diagnosed her with cancer and then they would look again and they couldn't find any cancer. And then they would diagnose her again and then they, would, they wouldn't be able to find cancer. And this went on for years and years and years. Living with a stage four liver cancer diagnosis for 19 years. And she would carry in her purse a vial just like this with that mustard seed as a reminder to her, as a reminder to others. And I'll bet you she would take it out and she would talk to those young guys that her husband John worked with at the mine and they would have dinner with and and she would tell them about how much faith it takes to believe. And she would speak into their lives. And she made a huge impact in their lives. When God spoke to Janice and said, Janice, you've you've got healing. Man, she saw that little cloud rising out of the water and she moved into action. She did not wait. She didn't pause. She accepted it and she moved forward. You might be here today and you think to yourself, Man, I'm I'm just a nobody. I'm just small, I'm insignificant. I really don't mean that much in the economy of God. And I remind you again, that is the voice of the enemy. That is not the voice of God, it's not the heart of God, it's not the mind of God. You are not insignificant, you are not insufficient. I want to remind you that in Mark chapter 9 as I close and we're going to sing a song and we'll be dismissed but in Mark chapter 9 there was a, a dad whose son was demon possessed and this this demon would take control of him and throw his body into a fire or, or some other dangerous situation and the dad brought his son to the disciples to heal and they couldn't do anything and so Jesus sees the commotion and, and, and comes into the situation and, and he talks to the father and he gets, he gets a little update on what's going on. And the father says to Jesus, if you can heal him, that's what I want you to do. And Jesus responds in Mark 9, 23 and 24. He says, if you can, or if I can, if, if I can. Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Next portion. Here, you ready? Help me overcome my unbelief. It's possible to believe and not believe in the same sentence. Lord, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I feel small. I feel small. But you have created me to do so much more. We've listened to the voice of the enemy tell us that we're, we're just not enough. Faith. The size of a mustard seed. And we can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea and it will be removed. I don't know what's making you feel small right now, but I know this, that my God's heart for you is to tell you that you are not insufficient. You are not insignificant in his economy, and he desires to use you, but he needs you to be willing to walk in it. The worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us. And if you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart right now, I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to come up here to the front and say, God, I may feel small. I may have heard that lie in my ear for a lot of years, but I am going to believe that I am not too small. I am going to believe that I am not insignificant, that I am not insufficient, but with your power, Lord, I can do whatever you call me to do when I'm willing to do it. As we sing, If that's you, I want you to come. And then we're gonna pray together. There might even be some people that come and stand beside you and put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you, but let's stand. The team is gonna lead us. And as they do, if that's you, if God is speaking to you, I want you to move from your seat. Father, I thank you because I believe that you're doing a deep work in some of our lives. And even now, as we close in prayer, maybe you don't fully even understand what God is doing. I just want to encourage you in this moment, don't let it pass. But simply say, God, I acknowledge that voice that I've heard for so many years that says that I'm small, that I'm insignificant, that I'm insufficient. And I recognize that that's not your voice. And so I reject that voice. And instead, I want to choose to believe that I am who you've created me to be. And that is to be your child. And so God, I open up my heart completely to you. And I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord to be my Savior to be my forgiver to be my baptizer Father we ask you this today and I pray for the one who that's the cry of their heart today I pray Lord that it will be sealed that it will be done in the name of Jesus we pray amen